You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. We come to you daily. Um, As I often do, I want to tell you a little bit about the Himalaya app. It's a great app if you are a podcast, you know, big podcast person, as I assume you are if you're listening to this, and as I am, it's free. It's super easy to use as every single podcast you love and are searching for. And find and download Himalaya on at the on the App Store or Google Play Store. Don't forget to follow Locked On NFL once you're there. And when you're in your car, do me a huge favor and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On NFL. Um, back by popular demand is Dwayne McFarland. Many of you listened earlier, I guess it was last week, and gave rave reviews to the conversation Dwayne and I had. So today we're going to talk about some more teams. Dwayne, it is great to have you back. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. I'm just excited to be back on, talk some football. Yeah, I love it. And there's some offenses that you are just chomping at the bit to talk about. And leading off that conversation is the Colts. And I love this team. I think they have one of the best lines in the league. I'm warming up the Marlon Mack as a top back, but I don't love him. I don't think that matters all that much. I originally, when they signed Funchess, I kind of looked at that and said, boy, I thought this was a smarter organization than that. But it's only a one-year deal. They have so much cap money. And the more I thought of it, what's the difference between Eric Ebron and Devin Funchess? I mean, very, very <laughs> little. So if you go down from Doyle to Ebron to Funchess to now Paris Campbell and Hilton, mix some Deion Kane in there, and I was kind of going you know, big to little, it's quite the basketball team of receivers. I, I like that quite a bit. And your the first question I have for you before you dig into your analysis, which is going to be really in-depth, I might say Andrew Luck is the second, third, at worst, fourth best quarterback in all of football. Yeah, I would, and I, I wouldn't argue with that. It's kind of funny because some of the community has jumped on to this. Andrew Luck's really not that good because he gets a lot of points, you know, or he does a lot of damage playing from behind. But, um, you know, to me, you deal with the with the hands that you're dealt, and that's what was going on early in the season last year. But if you look at what Andrew Luck did down the stretch and what that team did down the stretch. They were imposing their will in many different ways on teams, yeah. and so when I think about what Luck can do, for, you know, cerebrally plus what he can do, you know, from an arm talent standpoint, I think he's a quarterback that is honestly still just continuing to evolve as well. So you would get no argument from me. I don't, I don't see how you keep him out of the top three to four guys. Let's start there. Let's just talk about that real quick because I've said this over the years that. As a prospect coming out of Stanford, he's the first pick in any draft he comes out. I mean, he's kind of a LeBron James-type prospect, that once-in-ten-year type of guy. And when he came to the league, I loved him like everybody else. Don't get me wrong. But the hype was so unbelievable that I thought his first year or two, he may have been slightly overrated. You know, he wasn't at Brady's level then. I mean, nor should he be. And then they had those couple years where things were crumbling around him. And I thought he was actually underrated, you know, that he was getting the crap beat out of him. He didn't have a line, didn't have much around him. And then this past year, new coach, you know, they didn't realize they had a great line yet. He's coming back from massive injury concerns. 
and they brought him along extremely slowly. You know, let's get the ball out almost at a laughable level. You know, like the first six weeks or so, don't let Andrew get hits. Let's see what we have. And then in reality, it was masterful coaching of a new coach knowing what he had there. And then I think once Reich realized that Luck was back and what an amazing player he is and how big and strong he is and the line that they had, that's when all hell broke loose. And then that's when he became maybe the best player in the league, basically, close to it. Yeah, I think when you look at Luck, you know, what's interesting to me, you know, is uh, you picked up on a really big thing there that a lot of people miss on. Um, his time to throw last year was at a 2.54, 2.54 seconds was his average time to throw. Up until that, every year before, he had been at 2.8 seconds or greater, which would wow. be, it's in, that would be like in the, you know, top third of the league as far as taking the longest to throw. And so one of the downsides of that is you get hit more, right? So you see guys like Roethlisberger that have, that have adapted that way. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers will adapt on certain years. Still, when you watch Aaron Rodgers' film, you see him continually. There's a running back sitting in the flat basically saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And Aaron's like trying to buy time and still looking down the <laughs> field sure. for the big – which you want. You want to some degree, but it's a fine balance, right? These are elite but players what, we're still talking about, but yeah, right. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, but I think Luck also I, realized I, his mortality a little bit, too, that maybe I should use my head a little bit more than my brawn. You know, like all those yeah. guys you talked about have to make the Cam Newton's in that stage. Like, I have such great brawn. When do I lean more towards brain? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Brady's been brain from day one. Manning's been brain since day one. But these big strapping dudes that are crazy gifted eventually have to that teeter-totter has to go a little bit more towards the brain yeah and I think the beauty is I mean well one look at a guy like Tom Brady you know he'll show you the way and Brady has gone through this evolution you know through his career he was always a bit more of a quick timing pass guy Mm -hmm. Um, but if you look at what Luck did last year on the plays where he still held it over you know 2.6 seconds and over you know, he had his second highest quarterback rating of his career when hanging onto the ball longer. So it actually, though those plays went down, his efficiency went up. So he he showed that he has got an ability to get the ball out more quickly, do that really well. He he had a, you know, I know quarterback rating is not the best way to look at it, but it's something people understand. Still, right. He was a 106 at 2.5 seconds or less, and then he was a 91 uh, at 2.6 seconds or more. And those are both mm-hmm. uh, in the top, you know, 20% of the league. So he showed that he has versatility. I bet that's um, really rare. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. It is pretty rare. One or the other if you're good, you know, right? There are several guys that are good at both, but yes, it is more rare. So, and there's a lot of guys that are the opposite, right? They're really good within the structure of a timing play, like Andy Dalton. Dalton's if you get him in the right. 2.5, 2.6 seconds, he does really well. If you let him get outside of that and the play breaks down and he's trying to do something that's not, you know, maybe scripted, you know, his quarterback ranking, his quarterback rating goes down because his picks go way up, his accuracy gets worse. But Luck is a guy where he did really well. I bet well. Goff is like that too. Sorry to interrupt, but I bet Goff, Goff. is... Not an improv guy. Goff has some of that in his game, too. You got it. You got it. You act like you watch games or something. (laughs) (laughs) Better than having a real job. Right. One other thing I would say about Luck, just real quick, what I've always loved about him, um, his, you know, we talked about this last time with quarterbacks, touchdowns per attempt. The guy is really good about, you know, knowing, you know, when to take chances and being willing to take chances um, and push the ball into windows where you need to. Um, there's actually a new stat from um, NFL uh, Next Gen 
stats. Yeah. Uh, it talks about the aggre- number of passes that are pushed into an aggressive window, meaning there's a defender within one yard of the receiver at the time of the throw. Oh, wow. So it's and not so like Luck, football outsiders Alex stat, which is kind of an aggression no. one too. Okay. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, but this one, you know, Luck's been at 18% and 19% in his last two seasons he's played. There's nothing in 2017, obviously. But last year was a little bit lower, so he will push it in. But but he gets paid off. His touchdowns per attempt are in the elite elite levels. Um, over the last four seasons that he's played, six and a half percent, five point one, five point seven, and six point one. You'll be very hard pressed to find a quarterback that can keep their numbers like that. You're talking Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. Those are he's in the same class as those guys. He's an elite quarterback when it comes to making things happen and scoring points. Hmm. Any other Colts offensive nuggets you have out there? If not, don't sweat it. I'm just curious. Anything on your noodle with the Colts? Well, man, the biggest thing you kind of hit on, uh, we're going to talk about Philadelphia, I think, here in a second. But Indianapolis, to me, what they've done, you've got Frank Reich, right, who comes from Doug Peterson. Mm -hmm. Frank Reich was with the Eagles when they won their Super Bowl. And he was also, you know, and then you have Doug Peterson who comes from Andy Reid. So it's just I like following these coaching trees, you know, the lineage back. It's something that's really cool to look at and see, okay, how does that play out in the future? And if you think about Frank Reich, when I look at what he's done from a roster construction standpoint, Funchess is basically, and I'm not saying Funchess is as good as Alshon Jeffrey, but he gives you a similar type of outside possession guy. It'll be that role for sure, right. Exactly. And then you look at, you know, Ebron and Jack Doyle. You kind of have your Goddard slash Ertz. Mm-hmm. Now, Ertz, Ertz, I would argue Ertz and Goddard are actually better than both of those guys. I'm not a huge Ebron guy. I thought he did really well in the scheme. And, but then you've, you've got T.Y. Hilton, who's your main target in the offense that can do everything. And then, you know, you've got Paris Campbell. Now, you bring in a guy that can really create some havoc, you know, on run after the catch. If you think about the way, you know, that the Eagles have slowly built up, uh, you know, their explosiveness in their passing game, they did it bit by bit. First, they went and got, you know, Carson Wentz. And so from from that, you know, the yards per attempt uh, in the air went up because you had a quarterback that actually could get the ball out and get it down the field. But what the Eagles were still missing in the past was then once you get it to a playmaker, can they make, uh, you know, something happen with the ball? So last year, you know, the Eagles jumped up to three point five four yards per catch and yak yards to go on top of upgrading Carson Wentz, which was already at four yards through the air. You have to add those two components together to ultimately get your yards per attempt. And I see the same thing now happening with happening with the Colts. Last year, Andrew Luck was at 3.7, or sorry, uh, Andrew Luck last year was at 4.27 yards uh, through the air per attempt, but he, he got a measly 2.85 yards per attempt from his receivers after the catch. You had a guy like Paris Campbell, you get Naheem Hines in the second year, uh, and, and I think people are forgetting about Hines because Marlon Mack did so much down the stretch, but a lot of that was because the—I mean—the Colts were pounding people. I mean, they were—they were blowing some teams out, and so they were leaning on Marlon Mack. But I think Naheem Hines is still a guy that can come in, and you can work similar route combinations to what you used to see with Jimmy Graham and Darren Sproles. Now you have Hines, and you have. Ebron working that slot that puts you know either a linebacker or a safety in a really tough spot. So uh, this is not just another one of those offenses, Matt, that I get super excited about. Excited about um, similar to what we talked about with Tennessee last year. I mean, last week um, they're just, they just have an ability to be multiple. They can beat you in so many ways. You already mentioned the offensive line. If they get ahead, they can lean on you. They don't have to take risks. If they're behind, they can still come back. They can pretty much game plan somewhere they're going to have a mismatch against your defense with all of these weapons. Yeah, last note there, just as you were talking about, I mean, the Eagles, 
have kind of looked for Torrey Smith, Mike Wallace, and now Deshaun Jackson since Deshaun Jackson left. And I do think the field stretcher burner is kind of the final component that they've been looking for in their passing game. And I know that's not what Paris Campbell was asked to do, but he's really fast. And I know mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton can do more than that, but if he he certainly can be that guy too. So I do think that's the one guy, the one thing that also they want in this component, in this in this guy, in this passing game as well. This speed guy. I agree. And if you yeah. think about the scheme, right, this is this is not a real vertical offense. But to your point, having a vertical threat and now really you have two. And, and for a tight end, Ebron is actually a good vertical threat as a tight end just because, you know, he can get on the safety so quickly from that slot position when they move him around. Um, it does it does stretch the vertical boundary. And that just opens up to me where that really helps a guy like Pierce Campbell is now I'm, now I'm coming across on like a five yard drag. You know, and if if Ebron and Hilton have both ran the coverage off on a side of a field, well, now I've just got more room to operate after I catch the ball. Yes. Um, Folks, we are brought to you by Grip 6 Belts. It's Grip 6 Ultra Lightweight Belts. They have no holes, no flap. And it's a great Father's Day gift. Go get you and go get Grip 6 has a special offer for you. Hit that up now for Father's Day. Go to grip6.com slash lock, L-O-K-E, after our founder, David Locke. Uh, we'll be back here in a moment to talk about a new team. All right, we are back. The Niners. I mean, very interesting team. Um, I'm a huge Jimmy G fan, and it's all about their ability with me. I think he'll be an utter star and a great fit in this scheme. If he can just stay healthy, I can finally show all my listeners that that's who this guy is. Um, Shanahan was obviously... The hottest dude in town before even McVeigh, and I think he is every bit equal the mind. I think they stole Tevin Coleman in free agency, and he's ready to have a big year. George Kittle's a total superstar in the making, and an interesting set of receivers, and a pretty good line. Yeah, absolutely. The, this is a team that I even put it on Twitter just a few days ago. I, you know, I have something to confess that I just can't stop thinking about how Kyle Shanahan, you know, is going to use this group of weapons. Right? Mm-hmm. You've got you've got uh, Marquise Goodwin, who's your field stretcher. You've got Dante Pettis, who is like the king of separation. I would honestly put, you know, and I would be interested in your thoughts. You know, you watch film and do a lot of this, and you've done it longer than me. But when I watch Pettis, man, the guy is just an instant separation with his quickness and his ability to run routes. I mean, I saw him turning around some of the best cornerbacks in the league and I'm not just, Oh, he created a little bit of room. I'm talking literally they're breaking one way and he's already going the other. Like his hips are just so loose and he's amazing. So he could be huge this year. So he's instant separation. Now you bring in a guy like Debo Samuel, who's a run after the catch monster. You know, you've already got George Kittle, who is, you know, just a a mismatch nightmare for any safety or any linebacker, especially when you have to respect the run game and they're coming off with these play actions. And now he's he's on a drag man to man. Right. Or or even against his own. There's going to be a hole right in there because of the play action. So. It's just one, and then we haven't even talked about Jalen Hurd, right? They bring him in, you know, they drafted him higher than a lot of people expected him to go, but, you know, the coaches are raving about, you know, him talking, you know, right after the draft about how they feel that he's a player that, you know, they can line up all over the formation. You know, at, at Baylor, he played running black back, he played tight end, he played receiver. You know, so this is a, another guy that they can, you know, kind of be a chess piece. And then you mentioned Tevin Coleman. 
you know, what Kyle Shanahan did with Tevin Coleman, not even just as much as a runner, but as a receiver, for sure. you know, he yeah. was kind of like, he played that, he almost played like a Joker type role for Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. So I just think this is an, another offense that when I'm sitting here thinking about all the different ways they can attack you. And however, if I'm a defensive coordinator and, and trying to make this offense play to my strengths as a defensive coordinator and not find a weakness, I just feel like it's going to be really hard. I, I do too. More and more. Like, I really think that, that the offense is in Shanahan's image with one possible exception, and frankly, he has come out and said the exact opposite of what I'm going to say, but the Shanahan's going back to Daddy and Kubiak in between, who my, his, his last name might as well be Shanahan, um, mm-hmm. they've always had a true number one receiver. I mean, Brandon Marshall, Andre Johnson, Julio Jones, and Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan has said, hey, I don't need one in my, in my offense, and I keep thinking when they have had all this cap space and early picks that they would go get a guy, but they're also haven't really had the possibility. I mean, there's not like these guys are on the market, Julio Jones, Andre Johnson, or has one come out in the draft lately? Not really. But I wonder, will Pettis develop into their version? Is he even that good? You know, I'm talking about one of the best 10 receivers in the league type of guy. I don't think it's far-fetched. I mean, I think he might be the one... Debo's the two, or is Kittle the one? You know what I mean? Like, does he reinvent things and make Kittle Shannon Sharp? Right. Yeah, and this is an offense that, you know, is one of my favorite to study because it does go far so, go so far back like, like what you're talking about. I mean, I've actually what I call it, it's funny listening to you say it. You know, so what I basically, the term I use is S2K. That's, so that's Shanahan, Shanahan, and Kubiak. <laughs> so, okay, right. Yeah. So, it's a good stretch. Right. Yeah, but but you're but you're right, and the and one McVay thing they learned from them, you know, like people were like, "Oh, yes. McVay's offense." Well, it started with with Mike Shanahan, who to me is a massive innovator, should be in the Hall of Fame because look at what the trickle down of the Shanahan world has done. Yeah, the other guy that people just need to keep an eye on this year will be Matt Lafleur. He is he has yes. heavy heavy influence, just like McVay does from Kyle Shanahan, who, like you said, has heavy influence from his dad, Mike. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I will say. Um, you know, is Kittle, I, I do believe Kittle is their one, right? Because he I just, too. he's yeah. just so elite when it comes to his athleticism and, and the mismatch. Ball, he's it, unbelievable to watch. Oh, he is. I and mean, he and, shot out of a cannon, but aggressive in that. I mean, he's like Kelsey, but maybe faster. He has an edge to him like that. I agree. You know, I mean, I think the biggest thing for Kittle is just avoiding injury because a lot of players that play with that kind of energy and that kind of reckless abandon, right? You know, mm-hmm. they, they take some some hits that maybe you don't need to. But as far as the skill set goes, I think you're fine to let Kittle, you know, carry the load. You know, even going back to Mike Shanahan, you know, there were some years where Shannon Sharp carried quite a bit, right? So it was still McCaffrey and Rod Smith, I think more the one and the two. But even if you think back to those guys, nobody expected Ed McCaffrey and Rod Smith to turn into what they became. I think this is one of the number one schemes in the league that gets the most out of, you know, guys that you can draft later that fit into your scheme. I think you still, the thing you have to have, like any team, you have to have a quarterback, right? But once you have that, and I'm a, I'm with you, I like, I like Jimmy Garoppolo, so I'm on board with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's totally capable of running this offense. But this is an offense that's, that's based on, you know, play-action passing. If you look at Kyle Shanahan, you Absolutely. know, over the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, like seven years, he's in the top 20, 25% 
of you know play action every single year. So it's not like it's something that he just will do every once in a while and see if it's working. He's very dedicated, you know, to that. And and the type of what I would argue is the play action in this scheme is not like play action in a lot of other schemes. I mean, it truly creates havoc for defenses because of the way they set up that outside zone run and then they'll boot back off of it the other way. And and the defense has to cheat because if they don't, you know, you get chewed up by the running game. So you've got to be really quick. Uh, change of direction skills have to be huge for defenders, I believe, when you're playing against, you know, this type of an offense. And you also need, you know, guys that are playing in the middle of the field that are super smart on defense to be able to try to hang with Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah. Uh, another quick break. I want to keep this conversation rolling, though. We'll be back here in just a minute. All right, we are back. First of all, However, Iowa is recruiting tight ends. Everyone should take this page out of that. Holy smokes. I mean, talking about <laughs> Kittle and Fant and Hawkinson. I mean, they may be three of the best seven or eight tight ends in the league within a year or two. Good, uh, it's amazing how the pipeline that they're putting out. Um, a lot of talk there about play action. And I'm being funny, but it, it's almost like I feel like when my son really learns about football when he's 10 or when, you know, 10 years from now and he's in, out of college. He might look back and be like, play action should have been illegal. You know, like it's too much of a cheat code. It's too hard on defenses. And of course, it's never going to happen. I'm just kind of, you know, being trying to be funny about it. But the Steelers, <laughs> I do all the Steeler work, and they're always at the bottom of the league, especially under Haley in play action percentage. And my co host is so sick of me saying, we'll run more play action, run more play action. Like it's this gift from above for offenses. And you can't do it too much, in my opinion. Like, whoever's leading the league, somebody should be ahead of them. And someone should be ahead of them. And whoever's at the bottom of the league should be fired. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, the other cheat code that I think people miss. And this is where Roethlisberger actually is pretty decent. It's the play. It's the, the, the pump fake. Yeah, he's great. Goodness. Right, I mean, right. the pump fake, like, uh, when I'm watching film, it's one of those things. Just every time you, you see it, it's like it works every time. The defenders can't help it. You know, they're reactionary. They're trying, you know, that's how they're trained is to react to these things. You know, it's funny is whether you see a guy running with the ball, trying to get a first down like Russell Wilson does, you know, he'll even be past the line of scrimmage. Right. I was about to say that. Yeah. And the defender will jump. They still jump up in the air. Ah, I'm going to bat this pass down. Right. (laughs) Like I used to do in the playground at recess when I was in fourth grade. Right. It's like it's like you can't help it, right? It's just like instinct at that point. And so just imagine, you know, if, if you can watch all 22, which I highly recommend everyone do. I think it's – to me, I just enjoy it. But you see those safeties, you know, biting. You know, there's one thing to look somebody off, but when you give that little pump and then come back over, that safety's an extra two steps the wrong way. So, I, you know, that's another thing. But I'm totally with you on the play action. Um, you know, whenever you look at this offense, just real quick, I know because you had mentioned – you know, looking back, you know, uh, you know, it's not something that's typically ran, you know, through a tight end as it's one. And I, I would agree. I do think that Dante Pettis, given his ability to separate, because that's really what the league's about. And if you think about the way that this offense runs, um, I think, you know, when you pair the running game plus what Kittle can do in the middle of the field and then any one of those other targets that we talked about, whether it's Goodwin stretching the field or whether it's Debo Samuel, you know, pairing up, you know, with Dante Pettis, I think they have enough weapons that through their scheme, they can keep him out of a lot of double coverages. Um, The beauty with him is he's actually the one guy on your team that you could probably say, you know, we're actually okay with a double coverage because his route running is literally so good. He can still create separation. And if you go back, um, 
you know, back to the days when Kyle Shanahan was offensive coordinator in Houston, you're right. So you mentioned Andre Johnson, 29%, then 26%. Then in Washington, remember, this was whenever they had Robert Griffin III and they brought in Pierre Garçon. The lead guy was more between the 23, 24%, you know, range. And then if you look at the, well, we won't even count Cleveland. Um, there was a weird year there where Kyle Shanahan was in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In 2014, you remember that? Forgot that was even existed. Yeah, forgot that happened. Right. I know. Uh, But then you go to Atlanta, and you've got Julio Jones at 31% and 27%. I I think to your point, I don't see any receiver on this team getting those. I don't think you get Andre Johnson, Julio Jones target shares. What I think is again, this is another one of those offenses where it's going to be a little more spread out. I think, you know, your top target guys, probably Kittle, he'll be around 23, 24%. And then you could see, you know, another guy like Dante Pettis around, you know, 22, 21. And then, you know, you'll see somebody else probably down around 16, 15. And then there'll be a fourth contributor, like around 10, 11%. So I see it as being something that'll be much more balanced. It could be. Yeah. I, I think, I think Coleman, you know, if you, that is one thing, if you look at the running backs, uh, you know, this scheme has in the in the past. So uh, last year um, was only 7%. But the year before, when you look at uh, Shanahan, it was 14%. Um, you know, I'm kind of noticing a trend here, actually, just while I'm looking at this. In, yeah, the, years exactly. that, in the years that the tight end is really big in this offense, uh, the running backs are, are usually lower. So that's interesting. It may have something to do with the levels of the field, and they're trying to work it. I don't know. That may just be coincidence. I'm literally just noticing this, like so. I haven't researched yeah, yeah, yeah. it, just looking at it. But there have been several years through where you know. So if you look at Atlanta in 2015, 16% to their running back one, uh, and then in Atlanta in 2000, so that was 15 and 16. There was 11% uh, to Freeman and 8% to Coleman. So that's 19% between the two backs. So. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of room for the backs to be involved. Yeah, and it's a, it looks like a crowded backfield. And I think a lot of people, like for fantasy, are, I'm going to stay away from the Niners' backfield. Who's going to get the ball? Is it Brita? They gave McKinnon huge money. I just think Coleman's much better than all of them. And I think they just got him at a steal. Um, you know, like if I was Adam Gase and I was mad about the Bell signing, I'd have been like, because we should have signed Coleman for a million dollars more than the Niners did. I mean, I'm that big on the guy. Um, back to Kittle for a moment, though. I steal this from Mike Sando, who joins me every Thursday. He was on yesterday. It was a great show. Go check that out if you haven't, folks. Um, he said the Kelseys, the Kittles, that they're the queen on the chessboard. And I love that way, that saying. I steal it from him all the time. And then I took it up a notch and said, yeah, but I'm even with all the respect I have for offensive-minded coaches out there, there's only five, six, seven, eight of them that use those guys correctly. And I absolutely think Shanahan will be at the top of that list. Agree. I totally agree. That's that's what I worry about with a guy like TJ Hawkinson. I love right, him as a right. player, but then I'm like, man, is Bevel really going to maximize that? And not that he won't. Like in concept, I know Patricia's like, boy, a great a, a Gronk-like tight end can be so great, but you don't have... McD- you don't have the guy in between the head guy and the quarterback to make him do Gronk-like things. You know what I mean? Like, in concept, that's great. I was with the Patriots. I saw Gronk. Let's get Hawkinson. We'll do similar things with him. But on the second quarter in week three, is that actually going to happen? Right. And I and I think that's a big thing that, you know, as you study all this kind of stuff that I'm constantly compiling, you know, in my, like, nerd den here, <laughs> it's it's those kind of themes start to pop up. You, you see a lot of times where, you know, 
I feel bad for some players actually because you see them come out and you know that they've got talent and the landing spot is just wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, a- another great example. I know we're not going there right now, but if you look at where Noah Fant landed, I like T.J. Hawkinson way better than Noah Fant as an all-around tight end. But Noah Fant landed with the Denver Broncos. Who are we talking about? Scangarello. What offense does he run? Oh, Kyle Shanahan's offense. Absolutely. So Fant landed in a really good spot, whereas with Hawkinson, we'll have to wait and see. You know, I don't want to say Bevel can't do anything, but he did have Jimmy Graham, you know, when Jimmy Graham wasn't, you know, basically a dinosaur yet. You know, I think what was Graham the first year he went to Seattle, probably 27, somewhere around that. So, and they gave a um, first round pick to well, get him in Max Unger. Yep. And they still, they and still, they did not right. maximize it. It's kind of yep. the same deal. Like, we know what a great tight end can do. Let's give up a lot to get him. But making it work, right, right, making it work. I worry that's the Hawkinson Lions situation here. I worry too. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. You're the man. Um, where Dwayne? Where can everyone find you? And and also, folks, if you didn't listen the last time Dwayne was on last week, go back and do that. We did three teams, two teams, three teams. I don't know. Um, and that was a blast. And that's why he's back because you know everyone wanted to hear more, and it was a blast. So please tell everyone where to find you, Dwayne. This was great. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on Twitter, at Dwayne McFarland. So that's D-W-A-I-N-M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D. Feel free to give me a shout there if you've got any questions, anything you want to chat about. I'm always posting, uh, you know, all sorts of charts and different stuff about coaching schemes and different things like that and just league trends, stuff like that there. So you can find that. And then I also write for at uh, for Matt Waldman at mattwaldmanrsp.com. So I do some stuff for Matt. Um, and then coming soon, I will be writing for footballguys.com. Um, just working through the final stuff there. And then I also write for Fighting Chance Fantasy. So fightingchancefantasy.com. I um, just put out a couple of new articles out there last uh, week. If you're big into fantasy football, a lot about strategy and how to approach drafts this summer. Oh, and I was a guest on your podcast. So people should check that out. That's the last time we talked. What's the name of your podcast? Yeah, so that is Tuesday Night Hustle. And so we'll be we'll be changing that next week, but we'll repitch it then. It's gonna it'll actually be turning into the fantasy football hustle. But right now it's still you can find it at Tuesday Night Hustle. You can find it pretty much on anywhere. You know, you can find it on iTunes. You can also find it at fightingchancefantasy.com. Um, we have a link there to all of our podcasts and you can find it there as well. Yeah, we have really good you guys had me on for Steeler Conversation. That was fun. So uh, we'll have to do that again as well. And folks, that's a wrap. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Uh, enjoy your Father's Day. I will as well on Sunday, and I'll be back at you here Monday. So over and out. Take care. We'll see you.